Welcome to the Paychex HR Leadership Podcast Series. Today's topic is five ways to build your best workforce. Our guest speaker is Megan Biro, CEO of Talent Culture. Megan is a top online influencer who writes about HR and talent management for Forbes and Sherm, among others. She is globally recognized for her insights about the future of HR and serves on the boards of leading HR and technology brands. I'm so excited to deliver this today. So um, what we're going to do is talk a little bit about um, the annual survey, right? The third one we have in three consecutive years was administered online from April 2nd to 2019 to April 11th, 2019. And we randomly polled 300 HR decision makers at U.S. companies with 50 to 500 employees. It was conducted by Braden, a third-party research firm for Paychex. We in HR right now spend so much time managing, administering, planning, and reviewing that we don't necessarily get the chance to think about the workforce we wish we had or how to turn the one we have even better, right, into something else. A great workforce is collectively far above average. It works faster and more efficiently, is creative, is smarter, is more hardworking, right? It makes valuable contributions to the organization in the form of insights, performance, teamwork, and innovative solutions. It considers itself aligned with business objectives. And more these days than ever before, employees can work independently, right? We're all working remotely. Um, and still we can make a clear contribution to the whole. Great employees hold themselves accountable, right? They are reliable. They learn fast. They want to grow. They're willing and able to mentor newcomers and are ready to assist at the 11th hour. And there are certainly stars right out there. We know them, the high performance the high performers who are even better than, better than average, right? They work with everyone democratically in as engaged and energized teams. So while not competitive with coworkers, they are competitive for the organization. They are interested in furthering the organization's position as a front runner. And if called on to do this, this is a workforce that will act as your ambassadors. So I know you recognize these traits and you may have seen some of them in your own organization, I hope. The HR decision makers polled in the survey are actively looking for ways to hire, engage, and retain this kind of workforce. Okay, so we're going to move on and talk about the findings of the 2019 Paychex Pulse of HR survey. Let's talk about the three trends that the survey reveals, okay? We've got the five factors that are shaping a great workforce and workplace, how to best track and evaluate productivity and efficiency, how to develop promising talent in your next superstars, how to best prevent discrimination and harassment, how to supercharge your company culture to drive results, and most importantly, how and when to assess employee performance. All right, so let's talk about some of these key survey findings and the trends to pay attention to. The top five HR objectives of 2019, as revealed in the survey, reflect our growing comfort with technology as a means to elevate our role in organizations and improve our ability to hire, engage, and retain talent. They also reflect this tightening labor market that I think we're all sensing, right? We're feeling that. 
This intensifies the urgency and sense of competition around creating a great workforce. In that sense, we do have to do a better job of shaping the total working culture, right? That one that fosters engagement, collaboration, participation, and something that's near and dear to my heart, as you all probably know by now, retention. So we're gonna break these down and see how these key objectives can be accomplished. But first, I wanna take a look at a few trends reflected in the survey that really point to the state of HR today. All right, so we've got three important trends. As I mentioned, the pace in which the workplace is changing has never been so fast, right? New generations, rapidly evolving technology, remote countless changes in laws and regulations, a new social compact for creating safer workplaces, right? HR is responding as the survey found. Let's pay attention to these trends. I think they're really important. Trend number one, HR leaders are part of a strategic team. HR is elevating itself from a managing position to a lot more, playing a role in the strategic direction of the business and contributing to its success. In 2019, nearly nine in 10 HR professionals have a voice in overall company strategy. In the two years prior, it was only eight in 10. 17% of professionals polled define their role as a strategic partner. Um, and I'm gonna give you a quote here from one of them. I provide, I provide valuable insights to the leadership team that influence company decisions. Listen to this, only 11% describe their job as administrative or transactional. My job consists of mostly paperwork and data entry as an example. So I think it's safe to say that we have crossed that bridge from wondering if people have an impact on business success to knowing they do, which is really good news for us. Let's move over to trend number two. Technology is playing an active role, right? There's no surprise here, I'm sure, to each of you. What's changing about our ability to build a greater workforce and elevate HR's role from manager to administrator to strategy maker is indeed technology. I think credit goes to leveraging tools such as analytics, which helps HR leaders make a clearer business case. For example, a full 100% of HR decision makers said they now use analytics and 81% leverage tech to drive better hiring and engagement. We've got automated processes, right? HR teams want to leave behind manual processes, right? Though to be real, we're kind of not there yet, right? I know a lot of us would like to be there, but the reality is showing us we ain't there, right? The survey found that automation would enable HR leaders to save a whole lot of time and reach their goals of being more strategic on a whole range of administrative and data-related tasks. HR leaders still spend more than 20 hours a month or get this, more than six weeks a year on tasks like responding to administrative related calls and emails, relying or rekeying data into multiple HR systems and merging data from separate HR systems. See where I'm going here? Okay, so let's talk about trend number three, employees matter. Yes, they do and we know it. And we are getting better at connecting our employees' wants and needs and connecting with that engagement and performance. Why? Technology offers really great tools and applications that are usable and they make sense. But also, this is a historically tight labor market. So we are all competing literally every day and every minute for hearts, for minds, and for labor. We are seeing the entrance of Generation Z into the workforce, digital natives, 
total consumers of every experience, even more so than millennials. The candidate employee consumer perspective, right, including the importance of candidate and employee experience is a reality. Employees want convenience, they want control, and we are providing it with tools like self-service. Get this, 84% of HR leaders say that providing self-service options to employees via an HR application, excuse me, or portal is important to their company's success. Offering this option saves HR teams time and gives employees convenience and control. As one respondent said, and I quote, employee self-service has been one of the biggest strategic contributions to my company's success. So clearly we're seeing that it matters now more than ever. I want to move over and talk about HR's top five objectives. The Pulse of HR survey found that HR decision makers have five top objectives for the year. 86% are focusing on evaluating workplace productivity and efficiency. 83% having staff training and development programs. 82% facilitating trainings for discrimination and harassment. 80% are focusing on company culture to drive results. And 80% assess employee performance more than once per year. All five of these represent, I think, a real leap from HR in the past. We're not only becoming strategic players in terms of business objectives, we're thinking strategically about our workforces, how to optimize and how to nurture the talent we have. One big influence in this mind shift, I'd say, is tech, which has given us not only tools for communicating, measuring, and analyzing, but also for using trends to envision where we want our workplace to be. Everything we use, right, everything in terms of technology has a payoff in terms of the data, right, because we're getting it. We're understanding behavior, performance, engagement, and most importantly, growth. Okay, so I want to talk about how to track and evaluate productivity and efficiency because I know that's top of mind for many of you right now. We are extremely mindful of the need to improve employee ROI according to this survey, and that's absolutely driving us to want to better track and evaluate how, product, how productive and efficient our employees are. 86% of survey respondents said that evaluating workplace productivity and efficiency was their top objective. They are leaning on tech to be able to do it better. 81% say that their company's tech investment will allow them to increase employee productivity as well as maintain or grow their headcount. 80% say that tech enables employees to be more efficient and productive. When we start talking about on time, you know, tracking time is a key concern. 30% said that tracking employees' time remained one of their top challenges. To do it, we're using application software, right? And we're having really good results. With 64% using it for record keeping, 57% are you are using it for time and attendance, and 56% for performance management. But some HR teams are still having to track time worked manually, which is a real inconvenience, as with other tasks I mentioned earlier. So you start seeing where I'm going, we're layering all this stuff on top of it. I know it's a headache for many people. 10% of HR leaders surveyed reported spending more than 20 hours per, per week, or I should say 20 hours per month, or more than six weeks per year 
tracking down employees' time worked. Ironic if you think about it, right? Having to actually take that kind of time to track time, you see where I'm going? My prediction is that in the next three years, we won't be seeing this statistic anymore. Certainly a better practice is to use automation and applications to track time. The tools are readily available now, whether as part of your enterprise system or a completely separate application that can be integrated into your platform. I would say in generally, approach this aspect of management and tracking with the fact that productivity and efficiency are not the same as engagement. In terms of measurement tools, the golden rule is, whatever gets done, measure it. You can use analytics to set up benchmarks with industry competitors and KPIs that are calibrated to specific goals. As with making a cake or building a house, right? You wanna measure and you wanna remeasure frequently. Let's talk next about evaluating remote workers. I think adding to the challenge of tracking and evaluating productivity and efficiency is the rise of the remote workforce, and more organizations are relying on workforces outside the full-time in-house model, right? So how do we track productivity and efficiency? The survey found that just over six in 10 employees at HR leaders companies are on-site full-time. So let me break this down for you. In 2019, the average staff breakdown is this. Full-time on-site, 62%. Part-time on-site, 18%. Full-time virtual work from home, 8%. Part-time virtual work from home, 6%. Contract freelance gig, 6%. So in other words, 32% of the non-gig workforce is remote, at least some of the time. 25% of HR leaders are concerned with the management and oversight of work. 24% are concerned with engendering consistent productivity among remote workers. Here, communication and automatic tracking and time and attendance applications and tools can indeed, most of the time, bridge this gap. All right, so I'm gonna move on to your talent, right? How to develop promising talent into your next superstars. I'm gonna jump outside the Pulse survey at the moment to add in some context for you. Everyone wants to improve the way we learn at work, right? Deloitte's 2019 Human Capital Trends reported that the number one trend for 2019 is the need for organizations to change the way people learn. 86% of respondents cited this as an important or very important issue. And this aligns with the respondents of the Pulse survey. Reflected in that 83% plan to develop training and development programs. 30% of respondents say that training and development is one of the major challenges facing HR. The first year training and development were among the top five concerns. It's also one of the top five challenges HR leaders have in dealing with remote workers. In today's context, because that's what we care about right now, right? This means more than teaching the requisite skills or providing software or training. There's a far broader spectrum to learning now. Deloitte noted that development is becoming far more integrated with work, more personal, more geared towards lifelong learning or learning along the duration of one's connection to that organization and to their own career rather than just a single position. In keeping with that, career development became one of the top seven non-traditional benefits for both 2018 and get this, 2019 as well. 
it wasn't even on the list in 2017. I mean, I'm not trying to be like clever or anything, but I'd say HR is, well, we're learning about learning, right? Um, so let's talk about the upside of upskilling. As managers transform from bosses to coaches, as millennials and Generation Z expect opportunities to grow and to learn, and are better engaged and better performers, performers when presented with them, we're also seeing a transformation to development as a continuous process. With the lack of available talent, organizations are also learning how to source for open positions from their own workforce or hiring employees not for their battery of skills, but for their potential. As the Pulse survey showed, this is evident in the rise of upskilling. For employees who lack the required skills, HR is providing them with the training they need. Take a look at some of these stats. 85% of HR leaders said that they would be willing to train and upskill an underqualified candidate. 85% also believe that training underqualified employees requires a unique approach. 78% have seen upskilling underqualified workers benefit their organization. And 72% would consider hiring somebody who lacks the required skills for a position. So speaking of, let's talk about how to best prevent discrimination and harassment when we're talking about, um, you know, creating more diverse work cultures, right? So I'm going to get serious here with each of you for a minute. The workplace is not a safe place anymore. Uh, for instance, according to a recent ABC News Washington Post poll, 33 million U.S. women have been sexually harassed in work-related incidents. 33 million. We have laws on the books to prevent discrimination and harassment. We have legislation state by state in municipalities, right? That's a tough word for me, by the way, um, to handle discrimination. Yet, we're dealing with this all the time. The consequences are plentiful. It puts companies at legal risk. We've got fees. We've got penalties. This ruins morale and can set employees on edge to the point of stalling key business objectives. It's horrible, right? The damaging effects on each of us, on individuals, I don't even think I need to state right now, and it can cost you talent. Your employees will leave over stuff like this, right? A discrimination or harassment suit can badly tarnish a brand for years. Uber, for example, will be forever known as a toxic workplace, right? Thanks to one female engineer who blew the lid off the whole mess, which, if I recall right, included a lot of covering up um, and bad handling by HR. So have we learned our lesson? I'm going to ask each and every one of you out there, have we? It's a great question. So, you know, when we look at the numbers, and that's why I'm here to kind of unfold some of this with you, according to the 2019 Pulse of HR survey, 82% of HR decision makers are making uh, or, or facilitating trainings for discrimination and harassment. They're making that a key objective for 2019, and they are serious about addressing sexual harassment. 64% of leaders say they're very prepared. And 27% say they are somewhat prepared to deal with this issue in their companies. So that means about 9% of leaders either didn't answer the question or are not prepared at all. All right, so I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom with everybody, but, you know, because we do have some good news here is that HR is working on it. And we have seen time and time again how a trend catches on and then becomes the norm. 
To that end, pay equity and gender equality are also being addressed. 72% of HR leaders say that they have reevaluated their company's pay practices to ensure gender equality in the last 12 months. Yet, when it comes to having a seat at the table, there's still gender disparity shown in the survey itself. Jumping back to the evolution of HR teams from managerial to strategic roles um, that are part of the overall business decision making, these survey found that men tend to be invited into this conversation more than women. The survey found that four out of 10 HR leaders meet frequently with their CEO, CFO, or both. Of those, 40% of them are meeting their CEO or CFO on a weekly basis. But when it breaks down by gender, 49% of male respondents reported they are meeting with their CEO or CFO both weekly. And 30% of female respondents reported weekly meetings with their CEO, CFO, right? So females, in fact, are more likely to be meeting with CEOs and CFOs both every other week, monthly, or quarterly. So on this issue, we may have some work to do, as you can see. Let's move on and talk a little bit about how to supercharge your company culture to drive results. I wanna shift gears and talk culture. The survey shows that HR leaders are very concerned with company culture. 80% of HR decision leaders polled from the survey said they are focusing on company culture to drive results. I'm gonna give you some context, and I love this quote from a 2019 survey respondent because it shows the balancing act that HR leaders face right now. And I quote, finding the right people, keeping the culture upbeat, and striking the right balance between productivity and happiness are our team's greatest priorities. Culture is a tough one, I realize this. And as reported in Harvard Business Review, a recent Gartner study found that increasingly, CEOs are grappling with culture. CEOs mention culture 7% more often during earnings conference calls in 2016 than in 2010. But only 30% of CHROs are reporting a good return on the organization's investment into culture, most divided between workshops, consultants, and surveys. 69% of employees don't believe in the cultural goals set by their leaders. 87% don't understand them. And 90% of these people don't behave in ways that align with them. So that's what we're finding. Good, good info, right? Let's talk about transforming your culture. So what can HR do? I'm gonna give you three things that we can do right now to improve upon or transform your company culture and drive more results. One thing you wanna talk do and, and put into action more is describe the culture better. I think it's a mistake just to use a string of simple adjectives when describing the culture to candidates and employees. Many employees find these kinds of definitions to feel somewhat amorphous or unattainable or even worse, like not transparent. Simple adjectives in a vacuum don't always address the day-to-day -day nature of your workplace, right? It's so much more interesting that, than that. And that omission is a bigger deal than we may think. For instance, just saying innovative isn't really gonna resonate when the day-to-day -day is, for instance, a well-entrenched or decades-old business that's all about existing services. What will connect could be something like, we support a culture of innovation while continuing to see growth and profits from legacy businesses. You see where I'm going with this? 
You also um, want to use more than surveys to measure and convey engagement. I actually love surveys. I think that employees appreciate surveys as well. Um, when they are short, they're sweet, and they're to the point, they kind of inspire this reflection without kind of busting up your whole workday. Um, but leaning on surveys without context, again, it's a problem when um, you need open-end responses and you want to use surveys along with a safer atmosphere that then encourages people to speak up without this fear of like, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that thing. So um, something to keep in mind, you really want to think about the context here. Um, and also you want to align your policies and how you operate to support change. And I know it's not easy. For instance, if you're still running this kind of forced curve performance management system, this means some of your employees are going to be basically having to be ranked lower. It's time to reevaluate how you evaluate. And that environment is fundamentally counter to a positive collaborative culture. Since you're putting your people in a position where they are competing with each other, which is kind of dicey, right? I know the phrase walk the walk is very cliche, but it's true for leaders regarding culture. You really have to model the culture you want your workplace to have in words, in deeds, and operations. The Gartner study found that addressing these three factors can raise the likeliness of a company meeting, meeting or surpassing, I should say, their annual revenue goals by 9%. So as you take these steps, you're going to start maybe seeing a number in, in, in this data improve. So that's a good thing. Okay, so I want to talk about how and when to assess employee performance. Last but not least here is employee performance. Okay, performance management, not surprisingly, is the fifth key concern. Of the HR departments using application software, 56% we're likely to use it for performance management. But while HR is using these tools to track engagement, there's still a gravitational pull towards performance reviews, right? Not surprising for companies that need to determine merit-based promotions and raises. They need these metrics. Employees still need feedback from managers, and managers need to be able to attend to how employees are doing. Yet, periodic formal performance reviews have been shown to have a clearly negative impact on employee engagement. And HR leaders in the Pulse survey continue to be highly concerned with employee engagement. Of the two-thirds of HR decision makers whose budgets are increasing, lucky for them, nearly half, and this is about 49% of people, of those who would spend the extra funds to beef up their employee engagement. So, how can you cantilever the power of performance reviews in terms of management without sacrificing the employee engagement you're working so hard to improve? The answer really is optimizing the status quo, right? You want to increase the frequency of reviews and you want to improve that whole process. So not easy to do, but um, very important. The data is, is definitely showing us that right now. So. So speaking of improving performance management, I've got eight simple tips that you can start with. Number one, you want to survey your employees as well as your manager on how they would like to see performance reviews changed in the organization and use that information to recalibrate and revise. Number two, you want to shift that cycle of reviews to better match business cycles, which are speeding up in all industries as we've seen. 
Number three, you want to go for recency. So there's no collective amnesia on what may have happened months ago. As you increase the regularity of reviews, the need to recollect old business will decrease. You want to think future instead of the past, right? You're approaching the review as a growth opportunity uh, for the employee. You want to set clear goals and expectations, not just for the employees, but for managers as well. You want to leverage tech, right? You want to elevate, streamline, and automate performance reviews and management with a platform that can schedule, it can prompt, it could collect input and feedback from both employees and managers, and collect that data that we love so much so we can use it for later discussions and strategic initiatives. Number seven, you want to consider reframing the endeavor, right? You want to make it short, make it sweet, straightforward. For instance, paychecks switch to a four-by-four four cycle of four questions asked four times a year. An instance in which a simple solution works for a complex problem, right? Consider how you could adapt these four employee questions to your own performance assessment needs. What did I accomplish last quarter? How did I demonstrate our values? What are my priorities for the next quarter? What development actions should I make to become even more successful and perform at the higher level next quarter? So these questions can be used for remote employees as well. Keep that in mind. As the Pulse survey found, the foremost concern in terms of managing re remote employees among respondents is engagement and retention. Last but not least, number eight, finally, combine more frequent reviews with other means of checking in with employees. Combining your radar on performance with a view towards monitoring and improvement, improving engagement. Well-timed engagement surveys can not only measure engagement, but they can improve it. The survey found that 73% of respondents measure employee engagement via pulse surveys throughout the year. So um, what does this all mean to us now, right? What the 2019 Pulse of HR survey showed is that we are evolving, right? And in this era, we have to. Um, this is a tough time. Historically tight labor markets, right, with this rapid pace of changing legislation and regulations, demographic shifts, the changing nature of the workplace itself. There's so many things that are happening in these dynamic times. So if you want to create and sustain a great workforce, from recruiting to hiring to retaining, crafting this experience is critical to your business survival. From the HR point of view, these are very exciting times, right, in terms of tools that we have. So I would say for any organization um, that attends to these trends, you're certainly going to have an advantage. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Visit payx.me slash workforce2019 for more information about this topic, including a downloadable ebook with the Paychex 2019 Pulse of HR survey results and insights into HR technology trends.